Morning, morning. Oh, hello, hello. Bit presumptuous to talk on behalf of me, but uh, that's good. I am happy to be here. We have had a warm welcome, physically warm and uh, emotionally warm. It was lovely. That Thursday night was lovely. That's first week back. How cool was that? That was pretty cool. Um, yeah, I just want to say thank you for your wonderful, warm welcome to us. It's been lovely, and we hope to embrace you as family in the future. You know, the future friends that become family. Be lovely. Josh and Becca, happy here. Mrs. Whittle, where's Mrs. Whittle? Hello, Mrs. Whittle. That's going to be Joshua's teacher. Uh, worms. Worms are probably best eaten on a sandwich without sauce. Just saying. Just saying. Um, Josh is pretty happy because he's got the rugby league team here that uh, it's got a pretty cool name. Cowboys. Cowboys. Not as cool as where we used to live. Oh, he's not even listening. Not even listening to his dad. That's pretty usual. Um, St. George and the Dragons. Dragons are cool. Cowboys are cool. Dragons are cool. Probably dragons are a smidge cooler. But you have something that's even better. Crocodiles. Crocodiles. He wants to go fishing and catch crocodiles. <laughs> so if you can tell me where there's some like really small ones, that'd be great because I'm not after the big ones. Not excited about that one. Okay. Um, well, if you're here Thursday night, you would have seen what I like to call our hot seat moment. You know the hot seat? Who? I haven't even seen it. Do you get like the hot seat up here? I'm sure you do. Hot seat with, you know, um, I can't think of his name. Eddie Maguire. Eddie Maguire. Thank you for help. Um, the hot seat moment. You know, where everyone gets that, uh, that snapshot sentence or two where they get to introduce themselves. You know the ones. Yeah, I, actually, that's probably my favourite part of the, the show. I, I get amazed that some are just so boring. You think if you've got an opportunity to share it, like, make it, make it a good one, you know? You know, this is Fred. He's been an accountant for 40 years in the same office and he's about due to retire. <laughs> what? Then you get some exciting ones. There's some other good ones out there. You know, this is Jen and she threw a Bible at the Pope or something. You know, oh, well, that's interesting. Well, I thought... Um, well, on Thursday night, we had kind of had our impromptu hot seat moment where you got to a little snapshot of us and um, just had another snapshot then. I thought I'd get a, a quick um, snapshot. I'm looking around for uh, willing volunteers here for your hot seat moment. What would you say about yourself if you just had like a sentence or two to capture? A sentence or two, a second or two. A second or two, a sentence or two. Like a sentence. If you had to snapshot, everyone's feeling very uncomfortable right now, I can tell. Uh, to uh, capture what you're about. Because you know, that's the hot seat moment. Capture what you're about in a quick little thing. Okay, I'm going to go over here. Cause, uh, um, okay, here we go. Hello. Your hot seat moment. If you had to introduce yourself, which you've had many times, I'm sure, here it is. This is uh, Lieutenant Colonel David Godkin and... I'm a follower of Jesus, a trombone player, and I support the Parramatta Eels. Yeah, okay. Before we go too much further, who, um, who is a Blues supporter? Good. We will be praying. We'll have a little support group out in the corner later for us. Okay. Um, now you've got uh, a new area manager, you know her very well. This is uh, Major Beth Twivey and 
uh, wife, mother, laugh, a bit loud, a bit out there. Um, yeah, that's about it. Lovely, lovely. That was good. That was good. Yeah, yeah. Clap, clap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's good. Oh, oh, hang on, hang on. And of course, I'm a Broncos supporter. Yeah. And a Maroons. Maroons supporter. Now, I, I did go to wear a tie that Major Beth had put in the office for me. I thought, look, I am a Blues supporter, I can't deny that. And I know you're going to be absolutely ruthless and horrible and totally unchristian and ungodlike in your attitude towards me come state of origin time. That's okay, that's okay. I have borne that burden for a long time, one in a row, one in a row, got to Hold on to that. Ten years, exactly. It's just been brutal. Um, but I went to put on the tie thinking it was a Townsville tie. But she snuck in a Broncos tie. I couldn't quite bring myself to wear it. Okay, now, I like the look of you, young man. What's your name? John. This is John and? Um, I'm living in recovery. Yay! That's great. Okay. Now, Hello. If you're in the middle rows, you're probably very safe. <laughs> Hello. What's your name? Julie. Julie. Julie loves the microphone. Julie, uh, your hot seat moment. This is Julie and? Um, I'm a grateful member of recovery as well. Lovely. Lovely, lovely, lovely. <laughs> Last one. Who wants, who wants to have a go? Last one. Yep, yep, yep. Here we go. For all ages. All ages appropriate. Hello, what's your name? Chloe. Chloe. You're and you, this is Chloe and she's missing her front teeth. Hey, that's cute. Hey, hello. This is Chloe and? I'm an eel supporter. Oh, you're also an eel supporter. Who are the other eel supporters in the room? Oh, what? I thought you said this was an on fire for Jesus church. Wow. Oh, yes. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I was a little disappointed that, because um, you, you know, you want perseverance, but I was a little disappointed that uh, Marianne didn't persevere and hold off to give birth during the Christmas production. That would have been totally astounding. Could add Mary and Jesus. It would have been just, just great. Okay. Um, I love the hot seat moment. I, you know, I, I do this, this snapshot. And I wanted to talk this morning about a great hot seat moment and a great, um, one of the greatest hot seat moments, and it's Jesus' hot seat moment. Jesus' hot seat moment. And uh, it's, it's right at the start of his ministry, and I, th I think it's good because we all have different ideas about Jesus, don't we? Who he is. What God, if I went around this room, I reckon we would have, how many people here? 150. Oh, let's go with that. 150 different ideas who Jesus is and, and what his kind of essence is. What's his drive? What's, what's he doing? What's, what, is, what makes him him? And so I, I think it's really good for us to look at what does Jesus say? In a snapshot, what does he say about himself? Because think about yourself. A lot of people say things about you. Don't they? Like have different impressions. Have you ever had someone come up to you and say, oh, you're this. And you're like, I don't see that in me at all. Like, 
don't see that in me at all. So I want us to have a look at what Jesus says about himself. And it's right at the start of his ministry. It's before he's even chosen his disciples. So it's literally right at the start. And it's in Luke 4, 16 to 22. If you've got your Bibles out, you can, you can follow along on whatever implement or paper or electronic means you can. Um, Luke 4, 16 to 22. We pick up the story in Jesus' hometown. He actually goes back to his hometown where everyone knows him. They know he's Joseph's son. Well, brought up by Joseph. Um, they know his family. They've seen him grow up. Probably, if I was going to reintroduce myself, um, it would be a lot harder to do that in a place where everyone knew you, wouldn't it? Like, you'd go somewhere else because they'd be like, oh, yeah, I don't, I don't know him at all. Whatever he says is true, you know? I can say to you whatever I want, you know? I have an IQ of 170. You go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't have an IQ of 170. There you go. Anyway, so this is what Jesus says about himself. Luke 4, 16, pick it up. And he's gone to church. So he's gone to his hometown and um, it's church day. So this is what he says. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. So he goes to church, gets the privileged position of reading the scripture and it says the scroll was handed to him. I don't know if you've seen the Jewish kind of thing, but literally the, it's not pages you flip, it's this big scroll. And Isaiah's a big book. It says that Jesus then, unrolling it, he found the place where it was written. So literally he gets it and unrolls it. Now, big book he would have taken a while to find this exact spot that he wanted to read from. As a congregation, people who knew him, and as he's unrolling the scroll, they would have known that he's not just picking out a random piece of scripture to read. This guy is looking for something. He's got a message to give. So he gets to the place. It says, unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of the sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Then, then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened to him. He began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. I think it's particularly relevant for us to look at that this morning because that's Jesus introducing himself. The, the, the book of Isaiah contains many messages about this future king this future messiah that's coming hundreds of years later to save them and they were looking forward to it because they were an oppressed people the israelites had over hundreds of years had different nations come through and take them over they were kind of in this 
middle channel, this city in this middle block of land where big nations would come through to fight each other. And Israel was constantly being wiped out and overruled. They were currently overruled by the Romans and they were just ferocious people. They, it would be their absolute pleasure to get an old man and ask him to carry a massive load, which was their right, and a load too big and be able to knife him because he wasn't being obedient. They, they just were harsh, harsh, harsh people. So the Israelites constantly would have been looking at these passages of Scripture for hope for the, for the God that is going to come and save them. And when Jesus unravels to that particular passage, they would have known exactly who he was referring to, what he was talking about. And so when Jesus reads that out, they would have been all there. But then when he says, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing, they would have known exactly what he was meaning. The the person you have been waiting for, the saving that you've been waiting for, the hope for hundreds of years that you've been waiting for, the Messiah. I'm it. Not me, Jesus. I'm it. They've been waiting for hundreds of years for this. Hundreds of years. And I love it because... This is what he says. I I don't know what your opinion of God is, but this is what God says about God. I've come to proclaim good news to the poor. Freedom for the captive, recovery of sight for the blind, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. They knew exactly what that was about. The year of the Lord's favour was a 50-year event, a once-in-a-lifetime event, kind of like the Blues Wing State of Origin. Once-in-a-lifetime event. I lost my voice at game two, screaming. You won't understand. You've won too many times. Winning's just an everyday thing for you. I was so disappointed that game three just... Anyway, moving along. Let it go. Let it go. Dear Jesus, help me let it go. Okay. And help the Blues get up. Anyway, um... I lost track of where I was going. The year of the Lord's faith. A 50, once in every 50 years, every slave was released. Can you imagine the joy in the streets, every slave being released? If you were a slave to someone, no matter how mean or kind of whatever, you were free. Free. All your debts, gone. Can you imagine that? Your home loan, gone free you are free and if you'd had land that was taken off you by you know someone else or whatever it was returned to you you rightfully got your land back that was just awesome once in a lifetime man and so jesus says out of sync because it wasn't the year of jubilee jesus says this i've come to proclaim is the year of God's favour, the year of jubilee. That's Jesus' hot seat moment. And I love about, I love it because, you know, 
God is awesome and powerful, but he is a good God. He could just be a domineering, you know, horrible God, but he, he isn't. We could have to worship him because he's so powerful, but he isn't like that. We worship him because he's good. He cares about you and me. So he says, I bring good news to you. I, I proclaim your freedom. I've got sight for people who are without hope. I've given them eyes to see a, a, a future with hope. I've given them vision. And I have come to proclaim the year of God's favour. I've come to proclaim... Who's got favourites in their family? I'm, I'm, as a parent, I don't have any favourites. Um, God, this is... You are God's favourite. I've come to proclaim... My favour is for you. Uh, I grew up thinking, this is, this is, new, this is not new for me, I, but it was a new concept for me growing up as a Christian because I'd kind of grown up with th- thinking that God was a mean, nasty kind of God that, in fact, was holding things back as you'd see maybe God's blessing on other people. But Jesus says, not true. I've come to proclaim God's favour on you, you, you. I release God's favour. This is the year of God's favour. And you know what would have been surprising? Just absolutely astounding for everyone because they knew these scriptures. Jewish people, like before the age of like 13, they had, the boys needed to know the first five books of the Bible, word for word, and at little campsites, they'd start with the youngest and the second the youngest made a mistake, Boom, it, the, the next one knew it was a mistake and would take over and it would go around the family like that till it got to the oldest person. First five books of the Bible. Astounding, astounding. But they knew their scriptures. They knew these scriptures because those were the ones they were hoping and waiting for. These were the promises for the future that God would save his people. So they also would have known that Jesus stops mid-sentence. The year of God's favour is not the end of the sentence that Isaiah wrote. This is the end of the sentence. And the day of vengeance of our Lord. He stops. Why? Because he doesn't come to bring vengeance. He becomes to bring God's favour. All the Jews were waiting for this warlike king that would come and just empower them to annihilate everyone. And God says, not what I'm about. I come to bring healing, peace, love, grace. I come to make the nations be able to work together and love each other. I look around this congregation, look at all the different nationalities. Sensational. And I must just say, the reputation of Townsville, here, Riverway, goes beyond here, even as far as Brisbane has heard about you. It's true. The reaches of the earth. But I love that, that Jesus says, I come to bring God's favour. I don't come for vengeance. 
I come for God's favour. In fact, you know the John 3.16, if you grew up in church, you'd know the John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. Most of us know that one. My, the next bit is the favourite for me because it says, for God didn't come into the world to judge the world but to save it because you and I have been already found to be wanting. You've been judged already and we've been found wanting. So God says, that's okay. You need saving and I've come to save you and bring and show you my favour, my peace, my love. I love when the angels come and announce that Jesus is coming at the first Christmas. And what do they sing? What do they say? Glory in the highest, peace on earth to all people. I come to bring peace. This is the year of God's favour. And I think it's right that we, we look at that because Jesus doesn't come to go ballistic on us. He doesn't come to, you know, unleash a, a can of smite. Have you ever seen that, um, that cartoon where God's got his hand on the smite button, there's a piano about to fall on some unwilling, you know, guys just walking along with the piano. God doesn't come to smite you. You know, Bruce Almighty, smite me, O mighty smiter. He doesn't come to do that. He, I, if that, that. We all have different opinions about God. But the one that we have to, if, we, if we're thinking different, if, we, if our hot seat kind of um, catchphrase for Jesus would have been anything other than he's come to show us his favour, his grace, his love, forgiveness, healing, wholeness, it's wrong. This is what Jesus says. I've come to proclaim good news. If you feel captive by anything, I've come to set you free. If you feel, in comparison to God, blind to future and hope and promise and vision and a, a positive future, then I would, this is what God says, I would call you blind and I've come to give you sight. And above all, I come to pray, I come to release the year of God's favour, now and forever. Not a once in a year thing, this is it's been opened, it's been released, it's, it's happened and it's continuing to happen and it will continue to happen till the end of eternity. I've come to proclaim that. There, there's, there's two things I, I want to kind of you to take away from this this morning. One is that we are all called to not just hear this, but to experience it in our being. God doesn't come to just talk words. God came for us to know it in our core. Release, freedom, sight. We have all done things that we regret. We have all done things we wish we hadn't. We have all got strikes against our names that God could hold against us. But he doesn't. The good news is that Jesus has come to proclaim 
the year of God's favour. And that can be yours to experience this morning. You can just hear about the good news or you can experience the good news. You can hear about the freedom he gives or you can experience the freedom that he gives. This morning, you can experience the world through different eyes. In comparison to God, our eyes are blind. Paula says that she's the eternal optimist. She is. I choose to call myself a realist. But some, maybe there's some people in the room here who are pessimists. And when it comes to future, future events, future things, you're not seeing it as God's seeing it. The future is full of hope. God's future for you, for here, for the world, is full of hope, promise of favour. And so God says, I want you to experience your blind eyes being opened. I want you to see hope where other people have given up hope. You know, ambition too, because some of you here, and me too included at times, have no, absolutely no concept of what decisions made today, tomorrow, have in like a ripple effect in all of your community groups and in your family. It just Some people have absolutely no idea of the life-changing event of giving your life to Jesus and continuing to give your life to Jesus does. Just astounding. The, the healing, because, the, sorry, the healing that can happen for you and for your families and your friends. The world is hurting and Jesus is the answer. And it's about us. All this stuff is about us, but it's not just about us. It's about you, but it's not just about you. The change that Jesus makes in your life will have a ripple effect. Sometimes we have absolutely no concept of what that will make. I can tell you that my dad, um, growing up in a non Christian family that was quite broken would have had absolutely no idea that I would be standing here today with quite a normal family, kind of, and um, yeah, just standing here today talking to you. You have no idea the effect your choices make on the people around you for good, for good. So I want to invite you, and I'll get the team to come back, but I want to invite you to one, experience the freedom that God gives. And you can come and pray on either of these little mercy seats here. But I also want to challenge you too that it's about you, but it's not just about you, not just about me. As Christ followers, we're called to be like Christ. So when Jesus says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, 
He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. We may as well insert us into that passage. The Spirit of the Lord is on you because he has anointed you to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent you to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. It's our job. We can proclaim hope to people without hope. So I want to offer you to experience that freedom. But two, you know, there's things that challenge us in life. And I don't know if there's things that burden your heart. You see in the world and you go, man, why doesn't God just do something about that? That's us. God might be asking you to do something about that. And there's things that they do. They etch in the back of your mind and they're just spinning there, spinning there. Why doesn't God do something? Why doesn't God do something? Maybe God's asking you to do something. It might be in this church. It might be outside of this church. Something totally different. So I want to take this opportunity too for you to say, God, I want to do what you are calling me to do. Experience God's favour and to be a part of handing out his favour, administering his favour, proclaiming his favour. So as we sing this song with the worship team, I invite you to come down and pray. You might want to stand where you are. What, I, don't, I don't really care. What I care about is that you and God have a moment where you allow God to at least speak to you and to experience what he has. And I know God would love it if you just said, God, I want to be like that. I want to proclaim your favour to all people, all nations. So God, as we've been here this morning, it's been a bit of a different meeting. A lot of mixed emotions. Sending people off to ministry. Different people are coming to ministry. Different roles. But God, we know that you're in charge. And we know that you are a good God with good plans, plans for a future and a hope for each and every one of us. Even those who are yet to hear your message, you care about them. And God, we here want to experience your freedom, experience the favour of you. And we want to be people that, having experienced it, are able to share that with the world that is hurting and desperately needs you. And we want it to be about us, but not just about us. Help us to be proclaimers of you and your future and your hope that you bring. So God, as the worship team comes, we invite you to move in our lives because it is all about you. And we worship you. So 
As the worship team comes, I invite you to come and pray and dedicate your life to God.